Thank you for taking time to listen to this Redemption Church sermon. Redemption Church exists to make authentic disciples who live for the glory of God and the good of our world. We want to help everyday people wake up to a deep, meaningful life in Christ. We pray this sermon will help. For more information about Redemption Church and for additional resources, please visit redemptionokc.com. for you in just a moment, but we're going to look at Colossians 3, 16 and 17 and let that frame the rest of our time together. You can't give what you don't have. You heard that said before? As we look at these verses, uh, these two verses are going to speak about corporate worship, about the gathering of God's people, about offering ourselves to God and to one another, and you can't give what you don't have. I think this might be one of the biggest root causes of anxiety and depression in our world today. I think so many of us are living in this way that we're pouring ourselves out mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally from hearts that are practically empty to begin with. And I believe many of us are even showing up to this room, to church, hoping to be filled up and leaving with little or nothing more than what we had when we came. And it's a travesty. I love how one commentator on this passage used the illustration of a bucket of water. The writer said, how do you know that a bucket is full? Well, your feet get wet. You can't carry a full bucket of water without it sloshing all over and getting your feet wet. And so I wanna ask you, how's the bucket of your heart doing this morning? How do we fill that bucket of our heart? How can we, can we even fill our own buckets? And what if I got nothing left in my bucket? How does a Christian live with a full heart, a heart so full that it's sloshing over with the peace and joy of Christ wherever they go and whatever circumstance they face? Well, let's look at what Paul suggests in verses 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in our hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. How do these verses help us? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Well, what is the word of Christ? It's the gospel message. It's the antidote to all that is sick and broken in this world. It's the longing of every human heart. Do you remember what Paul said in chapter one in Colossians? If you've been with us, chapter one is this incredible description of who Jesus is. He's everything. He's above all. He's in all. He's through all. He's preeminent. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. And get this, Jesus wants to dwell in us. So what does that mean to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? It means let the gospel, the word of Christ, the way, the truth, the life move in and fully take over. 
He wants our whole hearts. He wants to take up all the room in your heart because he is in all and through all and above all and over all. Now, that doesn't mean we forget our daily responsibilities and our duties. We throw our jobs to the wind or ignore our families. No, we don't forget them. We surrender them. He wants to fill every nook and cranny of our hearts because he's the answer to our brokenness. And he's the hope of glory. His word answers every deep longing of the human heart. So Christian, we must fill up the bucket of our hearts with Christ. We have a river of living water available to us if we just put our buckets underneath it, right? We wanna live the abundant life in Christ. We ought to be throwing ourselves in the river every chance we get. More Jesus at church, more Jesus in the word at home, more Jesus when I'm with my friends, more Jesus when I go to sleep, more of his word in my life. Does that mean memorizing scripture? Yes. Does it mean miss, uh, not missing the preaching of God's word on Sundays? Yes. Does it mean reading the word daily? Yes. It's not gonna dwell richly in you if you don't avail yourself to it, right? We wanna have hearts full and sloshing over in the peace and joy found in the word of Christ we must take. We must take this and make it number one in our life. Well, what happens when Christ's word starts to dwell richly in our hearts? Now we're starting to get to a place where we have something in our buckets, right? We have something we might be able to give away. We possess the hope of the world and many are looking for it. And Paul says, once the word is dwelling in us richly, we ought to be teaching and admonishing one another. What does that mean? Teaching. We can all relate to that, right? We've all taught somebody how to do something maybe how to tie a shoe, how to color, how to solve a math problem, how to sing a song. Well, admonish, to admonish someone means to direct or correct their mind or their thinking. It's more like counseling someone. So the call here is that we are to teach and counsel one another in all wisdom. Well, wait, I, I thought that was Pastor Jeff's job, right? Well, Paul wants us to do that for each other but we might be saying, we don't have the credentials, right? Anyone here feel like they're all wise? I'm guessing not. This goes back to the word of Christ. If we have the word of Christ dwelling richly in our hearts and we have everything we need to teach and admonish one another and how to live according to Christ's word. And as we let the word dwell richly in our hearts, we begin to operate in godly wisdom in all of life. And then it begins to slosh over into every area of our lives, our friendships, our families, our work, our marriages, our parenting. Pretty amazing when we see this happen. But here's a problem I see. If we're all looking to get our fill of Christ's word in one hour of church, we're gonna come up pretty short. We'll only have a small trickle filling the bucket and it's not enough to carry you through the, work, the week probably not enough to carry you through the day, maybe not even enough to carry you through to lunch after service. Paul's charge here is to take Christ's word and to pass it on, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. I heard a mentor say this week, the difference between knowledge in Christ and wisdom in Christ is that knowledge in Christ is just knowing what he says, but wisdom in Christ is knowing what he says and getting behind it trusting him in all of life. 
If Christ is all in all, he surely is the source of all wisdom, and we need each other to help remind us of this, right? Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If Christ's word is dwelling in our hearts, if the person of Christ has made his dwelling place in our hearts, there ought to be this holy fear that leads us to submit to his guidance and care in all of life, right? This is what Paul is telling us to teach each other and remind each other about. We all participate in this. This is why we have small groups and men's groups and women's groups and prayer groups and serve teams because we don't wanna stop admonishing and teaching one another after Sunday. This is my favorite part of the text. I love what Paul's instruction is next. He says, how should we do this? Sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in our hearts to God. Well, I can get on with that because I'm a musician. I'm one of those weird people that sings all the time, maybe even in the shower. But what about the person who doesn't really sing or struggles with music? I have to admit that singing in church didn't always make sense to me. I can remember as a young boy sitting in big church with my parents and standing singing with the church and I just couldn't wait to sit back down because it was awkward. I didn't really understand the words they were singing. The people on stage seemed to be really happy and everybody around me seemed to be less than happy. It was just kind of weird. And I thought, what's the significance of singing in church? Well, fast forward some years later, Jesus had gotten a hold of my heart. I was starting to put his word into my heart and I was hungry for more of Jesus. But I remember even in youth group in college, it was the same kind of thing. This, this band was full of energy, but our friends were all singing with their hands in our pockets. We're kind of not even singing, we're just mouthing the lyrics. And I knew deep down there had to be something more to this singing together thing. And it wasn't until my early 20s when I first encountered this kind of singing that made sense to me in church. I'll never forget walking through the doors of the Vets Hall in San Luis Obispo, California for the first time and seeing hundreds of people my age and older with arms raised, smiles on their faces, tears in their eyes, just singing out to God together. And I remember thinking, this is it. This is it. This is what it's supposed to be like. The emotion and the energy in the room actually match what we're singing about. It was incredible, and I wanted more. And I've never looked back. 20 years later, I still long for that kind of worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I long for that singing because it encouraged my faith like dumping gasoline on a fire. There's no other way to put it. Here's the catch. That kind of singing in church, singing with thanksgiving in our hearts to God, can only come from an overflow can only come if Christ has made his home in our hearts and we're placing our bucket under his never-ending river of life. When that happens, we can't help but sing. We can't help but raise our hands to him in wonder. We can't help but raise our voices. And there's also this reality that we can't do this on our own strength. We can't conjure this up on our own. It's actually the result of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Only Jesus can cause the human heart to sing with joy and gratitude to him. So this begs the question, is Jesus dwelling in your heart? You fully surrendered your life to him. The Bible has this long history of people whose response to God's saving grace was to sing. 
There's 150 psalms in the Bible. That's a whole lot of pages devoted to songs, right? What does the Bible say about the author of most of those songs? David, he was a man after God's own. Moses sang, Deborah sang, Mary sang, Solomon sang, the disciples sang in the first church of Acts. And in the book of Revelation, it's packed with imagery of God's redeemed creation joining together in song. It's all over the Bible. 400 times it mentions singing, and 50 of them are commands. I love what my friend Tara Lee Cobble says in the Bible recap. She says, we don't whisper about things, or we don't shout about things that the Bible whispers about. But in this case, I feel like we can shout about singing because it's all over the place in the Bible. Verse 16, goes beyond a simple command to sing some songs together in church about what God is doing. Singing is experiential. It takes breath. It takes exercising these two tiny strands in our throats in just the right way to make melody and harmony. It's quite amazing when you think about the human's ability to sing. And God made us this way. You might say, well, I can't sing. Yes, you can. Maybe just not in tune. And there's something about singing together that strengthens our faith and our love for Jesus. I love this, singing also has the benefit of helping us remember truths about God. Let me prove a point. How did you first learn the ABCs? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You can all sing that song and every child has memorized the alphabet because of it. How cool is that? Paul's saying, hey, take what you're learning about Christ and his word and make it into songs that make you smile and remember who he is and what he's done. This was paramount in an age where there was very little way of passing on information, right? Other than speech and storytelling. It's hard to sing and not have a thankful heart. Singing disarms us, it unifies us, it reminds us there are other human beings standing beside me, breathing the same air as me. When we sing in a unified voice, we're trusting ourselves to one another. It's vulnerable, right? We don't have enough of that in our culture today. We don't wanna hide behind our screens and devices. This is why singing in church, praying out loud together at church, sitting under God's teaching and his word at church, sitting next to somebody is so important. We can't teach each other or admonish each other if we aren't in the room together, right? And Paul's words here have ramifications for every single thing we say in this life. Its relevance is spot on for the gathered church and for the everyday follower of Christ as they go about their day. How do we gain an eternal perspective? How do we put off the old man and his former ways? How do we put on the new man in Christ that's being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator? We let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And then teach, we admonish we sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving and gratitude in our hearts. And only from that place are we able to go in whatever we do in word or deed, doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. This gathering, this worship together is so important. Verse 17 is the overflowing bucket. It's the sloshing over of God's peace, love, and wisdom into all of life. And so this morning, 
this is what we're going to do together for the rest of our time. We're going to sing together. We're going to pray together. And I want to encourage you to press in, to let the word of Christ dwell richly in your hearts. I love how Paul said it in Ephesians, another letter to the church. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. I love that. Let me pray for us as we get ready to sing some. Father, thank you for your word, and may it dwell richly in our hearts. God, I pray this morning our time of singing would strengthen our faith, increase our understanding and our knowledge of you, that your spirit would work mightily as your gathered church.